Hello everyone and welcome to Industry Perspectives. I'm your host Ains and on this chat episode we're going to be speaking to Asa, the co-owner of Game On Daily. Now Asa and I met early last year and since then we've talked about a lot of things gaming industry related from a media perspective, journalism, content aggregation, social media impact, as well as some of the technology that drives the industry. We're going to jump into all that and more on this episode. Let's get to it. All right, welcome back to Industry Perspectives Chat. This week, I have the pleasure of speaking to Asa from Game On Daily. How are you, sir? I am fantastic. I'm really happy to be there. I um, I caught the show that you did with Lord Cognito last week. It was a good chat. I'm not as charismatic as him, but hopefully uh, <laughs> I get some people stuff to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Not many people are, you know, Cog's a good guy. Um, but I, I do like uh, that, you know, I was just telling my friends that I have one bright red shirt in my entire wardrobe. And uh, we happen to somehow match up on that. So mm-hmm. that's what it's going to be the Red Shirt Podcast this week, I think. Brighter. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, man, thanks for coming on. So, uh, you know, I think what I'm looking to do here is have kind of more meaningful one-on-one conversations. And uh, why I invited you on is because I think, um, well, there's multiple reasons, of course. But I think uh, one of them is um, you're, you're technically savvy and kind of your knowledge about how things work and function and some of the work you're, you're doing for Game On, which we'll obviously get to. Uh, pretty extensively. But just before we get to game on and, and the kind of the founding of that and everything you guys are working on, um, you know, your background in gaming, I know we talked a little bit about when you were on Big Cast and how you got into it. But before game on, did you ever get into gaming journalism, media, creating any sorts of content, anything like that previously? Oh, interesting one. Um, so game on daily before it was what it what it is now was a website that had um, original content, um, not necessarily a fantastic standard, but yeah, that's that's kind of part of our origin story. So yes, um, in terms of game reviews and some light journalism for Game On Daily, yeah. <laughs> so so Game On, I guess Game On Daily then has been around longer than most realize, including myself. Um, so when when did you start that originally then, or, or was it you and Gaz from the start the whole time? No, that's that's an interesting one. So we um, should we delve into kind of how the how game it. on daily anything came you about want to talk about, man. Go for it. Spiral off into it if we do that. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So long, long time ago, I actually used um, N4G a little bit. Oh, yeah, um, quite, I, um, yeah, I do too. We can, yeah, we can talk about that. That's fine. <laughs> no, we um, don't. We don't need to waste <laughs> any time on N4G. <laughs> well, that, that's kind of where I met Gaz. Funnily enough. Well, that's good. Um, Me too. So. Yeah, there you go. So he he must have loved it there. Um, but yeah, I was um, <laughs> relatively eloquent on there, and Gaz was the one that um, that owned the game on Daily Name and ran the website. And he approached me on there um, and asked if I'd be interested in reviewing Drive Club for his website because okay. it was um, it was quite a hot topic at the time, and I was fairly eloquent in the discussions, I guess. Um, so I was like, oh, that, that's interesting. I've always wanted to do something like that. So I, I responded with a review that was like three pages long. And he was like, oh yeah. And that kind of kicked off from there. So that was however many years ago Drive Club came out. Yeah. Um, and that was just a side project. It was a bit of fun. And we ran it for a while. Well, he ran it. I just contributed some content. Sure. Um, and then, yeah, after a certain number of years, we both 
particularly me, had, had gone well off of using N4G at all. But um, Gaz came in to slid into my WhatsApp direct messages, like, oh, I'm thinking about <laughs> thinking about taking Game On Daily to be like something similar to N4G. Would you be interested in like being involved with that? And my response was kind of like I did with the Drive Club thing where I did like a three-page response, like, here it is, this is what I want. I said, yes and no, I don't want to do exactly what they're doing, Yeah, but I want to do this, 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 and this. And it's gone from there. And the ideas since then have um, have mutated quite a lot. Certain things that were planned that aren't in there, certain things we've still got planned that aren't there yet. Of course. But yeah, it's just it's just blowing up from there. That's awesome. So uh, I remember when Gaz first reached out to me, it was funny. It was on N4 as well. Um, and I think I was putting up some content from Season Gaming, of course. Um, mm-hmm. And he had just reached out to me and said, you know, we're, we're kind of kicking off this new aggregate site is what I've referred to it as, is Game on Daily. Um, you know, would you be interested? So I was there at the beta and I said, yeah, for mm-hmm. God's sakes, we need something different from N4 because, <laughs> you know, I could rant for this whole episode about how badly that site is run. Um, but no, that's fantastic. So when would you say then, um, when did it kind of become the fully featured site it is today? Was that what, 2019-ish? <laughs> no, Because I know you guys obviously can't do a good things, we'll get right? there. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, when you, it's funny when you say fully featured, it is so bare compared to what we have planned for it. Um, sure. It's been running kind of like it is now for... We were aiming to get um, to get a kind of public open beta version of it before Spider-Man launched for the PlayStation 4. So that was 2018 sometime. Yeah, We missed that target by quite a long way in terms okay. of um, getting it developed and up and running. Um, so I, I can't remember what month in 2019 it is that it actually launched and became publicly available in a similar state to what it is now. Okay. Did you receive a lot of hate like CD Projekt Red for that? <laughs> Luckily, we didn't <laughs> announce it. We didn't overpromise. We didn't tell anybody what we were doing. It's all good. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um, so one of the things then, you know, I, I wrote, so Season Gaming, I found it in late 2015, but really didn't get into it into 2016 and then a, more seriously in 2017. So even though it's technically mm-hmm. been around five years, it hasn't really been five years. But I would say that you've kind of been at this long enough now um, to where you've experienced a lot of the same things, you know, I have and Cog and I talked about last week, which is the realities of running a site, fighting for clicks, what content works, what content doesn't. Um, and the ch- there's a lot of challenges with that, of course, um, which, you know, we'll touch on some other topics about here shortly too. But, um, you know, what what are your thoughts on now that you have experience with being a media site, an official site as part of the gaming industry and, you know, everything that comes with that, um, you know, what are your experiences like with it? Uh, has it surprised you? Is it disappointing in ways? Is it more positive? What do you think? It's <laughs> it's harder than I expected. Yeah. I would say that to get any kind of traction at all is really difficult. So yes. obviously, um, like I was saying earlier, that Game on Daily started off as a website producing original content so we've yeah. seen the struggle to kind of get any eyes on that and that was um similar to season gaming that was a it was a passion thing we didn't do it for any kind of money or anything so right i know the struggle of writing really good content that just gets buried under a heap of trash yeah. or writing some clickbaity stuff that gets more attention and just feeling a little bit rotten about it i've yes. been there i know how that works yeah um, it sucks now 
Yeah, well, now we've got an opportunity to, to look at it from the other side. So going back to N4G again, because when we were writing original content, yeah. they were fairly key to us being able to get any traffic. You can share your content around social media if you've got that network in place already, if you already know the right people to spread it. If you don't, then you rely on a site like that. And fair play to them. They do a lot of good things, but they also have a lot that you need to contend with that makes it quite difficult. Yeah. So um, on the other side of it, so trying to, I mean, we almost exist to fix some of the problems in that space to help people like we were to get an audience that fits them. So rather than, um, so when you go back to N4G, which I don't want to keep on doing too much, but um, they've got a really nice concept and they had a community driven site mm -hmm. and they get too much control to a bad community and it turned into what it is now. Yeah. Um, like short version, you can go into the ins and outs of it, but um, we have you a much more it. and a much more, <laughs> well, yeah. And like one of our, primary ethos is when we set up game on daily was um was we need to respect the content creators that are providing this content because we don't want to leech off of your content and any other provider that's not what we're here for we're here to try and uplift everybody so we have to respect what you're doing we can't do the whole your content we're just going to bury it strip it off reject it from the site or whatever um, yeah. and we have to respect the people that are trying to find good content as well so all the systems that we put in place are all very aware of the issues that you were asking about hmm. it's, it's all very carefully crafted to try and solve those problems um and there are systems in there that are underutilized at the moment because like i said it's just difficult to get traction so one of the primary ways that the game on daily website works is um your kind of sub communities your network and your friends and things have a lot of power to share content with each other without overwhelming the the front page of the site for everybody so you don't have um like a set of people gaming the system and trying to control a narrative you've got sub communities of people that are all discussing what they're interested in okay and those systems at the moment are underutilized so at the moment a lot of the legwork on trying to put content in front of people falls on me and guys but it's not supposed to be that way yeah um, that goes back to it being harder than, than you know and i mean that it's a challenge i can imagine traction is difficult so it's, it's another really yeah. interesting thing so right from the off um gaz always saw us doing youtube content okay and i never did i was the okay. opposite and we used to disagree on that not not fiercely in any kind of aggressive way but we just disagree so uh, we're going to do this great youtube youtube content have this channel it's going to be popular it's going to be funny everyone's going to love us and i'm quite <laughs> into it. that sounds like gaz but, it definitely sounds like Gaz. I'm the opposite. I'm, I'm an introvert, and if there's an opportunity to talk to someone, I'll typically like hide under the table or something. So the idea of being on YouTube or anything, doing podcasts and all this kind of stuff, I was like, no. Nope. <laughs> and I was so wrong. And um, that's not the only area where we're both learning so much just from yeah. going through this um, about about Twitter as well, about the podcasting scene and everything. Is so things have unfolded differently to what we expected, but. All yeah. Enjoyable. Yeah. So I can relate to that fully, of course. Um, and it's funny you say that because, uh, you know, he he's not actually part of season gaming anymore uh, due to some personal things, which I've talked about in the past. Um, but Bert, who I used to run season gaming with, you know, through 2018 and part of 2019, um, he was the same way. He was uh, much more focused on kind of channel video content and kind of pushing that angle. 
Um, whereas I was always much more focused on being a legitimate site and having content on the site and that it could include videos, but it wasn't the core focus, right? It's still yeah. not. Um, but I think it, it created some sort of balance. And I think to your point, you know, one of the things I even asked Cog last week too is YouTube has, I think not just YouTube, it's easy to blame YouTube uh, or to point, I should say point to YouTube. Um, but I think YouTube and instant access, social media, instant videos, instant clicks, um, it's changed the way people consume information. And my opinion, I don't know what your thoughts are, but my opinion is it's not only changed the way we access information, but it's um, it's reduced kind of the tolerance for more in-depth inf information. Um, I, there's very few sites slash channels that I feel do a do what I would consider kind of a journalistic or deep dive into into topics, few and mm -hmm. far between. And I think people want that kind of one or two minute, even less than that sometimes, quick hit of something, and they're kind of done with it. Um, and I think that that's counterproductive in a lot of ways. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. It's you're you're absolutely right, but at the same time, there is still an audience looking for that more in depth content. Yes, so you, like. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I just think it's harder to reach. Exactly, which is where the sub-communities and the specific interests come in again, which is why we want to be able to make these things more visible to the people that are looking for it. Um, YouTube and, yeah, just generally the way that people consume news and whether they even want to be reading rather than listening and watching, yes. it's all changing over time and it's all difficult to keep on top of. But these things do all still exist in some kind of balance to try and cater to, so... I don't know. It's um, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I may have to clip that. You realize? <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, but no, I, I I can understand the challenges to the degree that I can because I don't know all the ins and outs of how Game On is built, right? And it mm -hmm. it's more intricate uh, with more underlying systems than a site like mine is. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I do like what you guys are going for because it actually ties into what I just said is people want to consume content in the way they want to consume it, which sounds redundant, but it's the truth. Um, even in application development, you know, you talk about you have to people want to conduct business with companies the way they want to. They don't care how you want them to do it. Right. And so mm -hmm. you've got to meet them. Um, and I, it's the same with anything nowadays. It's just the nature of the industries, um, particularly the gaming industry and media. So I, I do really like what you guys uh, have achieved already, but obviously are you know building towards even more mm -hmm. um, because I think it's important to your point. Uh, you nailed N4 earlier. I think it started out with good intentions and has done some good things, um, but what it's turned into is, is not a positive thing. Um, and there's, mm -hmm. you know, there's plenty of stories I could tell. You were positive. That's, that's a word that I come back to so often. Mike. Yeah. And I want to talk to you more about that too. Uh, and, in a number mm -hmm. of aspects. Um, in fact, we, we can just go to it now, but I think N4 is probably, we got to stop talking about them. Probably. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> even a good example, um, of negativity kind of taking over, um, or I, I should say more slanted kind of a, a mindset or opinions taking over. 
Um, and one of the things that uh, drives me crazy, and uh, you know, I probably preach about this too much, but I've heard you say similar comments, which I um, love to hear, is just around, um, you know, you and I have talked offline a little bit around just making sure that the content you're producing and sharing and getting out there is not only positive, right, but not slanted or biased or put out there with an angle, you know, or, or trying to accomplish a specific thing towards a specific group of people for negative reasons, that's going to impact something else. And it's one of the most challenging things I find is just the difficulty in maintaining those ideals while also fighting for, you know, your, so your section of the, the industry. Yeah. So we, we get a slightly different slant on that, if you will, in that, um, so for me, when I use this word positivity, so you, you talk about an unbiased approach to coverage, yes. which is great, and I can respect that. But actually, there is an audience for biased coverage. There is. But there's Absolutely. Of biased coverage. So you could have um, the kind that, that makes me keep coming back to positivity is you can be a fan of a system and you can put out really positive content for that system. And that's great because positivity is what makes the hobby fun. Yes. Um, or you can attack things that you don't like. And misery loves company and it can do well for itself. But it's it's a strange thing because um, for a long time I've looked at like the consumption and need to keep consuming news about gaming is almost a separate hobby to gaming. Yes. You can sit down and enjoy a game, but if you're the kind of person that craves gaming news, it's almost a side hobby. And that hobby can be very good or very bad, very depending true. on the kind of energy that people put into it. So, yeah, that's very true. I think. Um... You know, I'll give a shout out to one of our friends of the show, Luke, uh, who runs the Xbox Expansion uh, podcast, which mm -hmm. is it's Xbox centric. Right. But it's he's one of the most positive kind of more intelligent speakers about the, the platform that you'll find. Um, and I love that sort of content. But I think there's you know, in my opinion is there's there's also a lot of people that try to walk that line where they you know, it's a it's a persona of positivity is what I'll call it when it's not really. You know, and, mm -hmm. and they, they've made their name and they've made their site or channel or whatever it is uh, from kind of poking the bear, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of uh, yeah, no, there are exhausting. Yeah. But say misery loves company. So uh -huh. those, those things do well. People like to get riled up. Yeah. It's not it's not a mindset that I can fall into myself, even if I try really, but seeing so much of it that. Yeah. Part of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think, um, you know, one of the things that jumped out to me and, and you may find this kind of funny actually, but there we were, you were having one of your game on daily shows, uh, several weeks ago now, I think it was actually before the holidays and I was, you know, I was in the chat and chatting with you guys and some of the other people and you got one of the, one of the guys in there who was just, you know, full bore Xbox, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, something, he started saying negative something. And I, I saw you respond to him um, and you basically said, this is not an Xbox podcast. Um, and, uh, you know, it just kind of jumped out to me because I, I think that's the point. I think it's really it's tough to kind of garner a community that understands, look, if you want to get into the the silly games, you know, with all this other stuff, um, that's not what we're about. So it was I should say it was refreshing for me to see you kind of jump in during your show and just be like, look, if, you know, you're essentially saying in so many words, this isn't what this is it's not and it's an interesting one though you can you can tell me what you find on this one so from our perspective we do um like i can understand why people would think we're an xbox centric channel because the community that follows us mm -hmm. 
we found it far easier to find an Xbox community than a PlayStation community in a way that makes no sense because PlayStation's obviously outsold the Xbox. Much bigger community. Yes. Following, but we just don't find them as easily. Do you find similar or? Uh, So, (laughs) yes, I do. It may be a little weird, though, because um, when I say a little weird, it's probably not a good way, but it may be uh, slightly different for me because um, I kind of became known as someone who was writing about Xbox. So when I first got into the social media space, you know, when I had like 20 followers on Twitter um, back in 2016, 17, I wrote some a few of my in-depth pieces that I do once in a while. And a couple of those on Xbox um, kind of blew up, if you will. And it mm-hmm. kind of made a name for me in the Xbox community about speaking about Xbox. And so, you know, I've had the pleasure of meeting a bunch of the Xbox team and, you know, I've, I've, hung out with all the guys who are known for Xbox content and stuff like that. So, and don't get me wrong. I, I love Xbox as a brand, you know, it's, it, it means an awful lot to me. Um, but it also doesn't mean that I'm an Xbox guy only. Do you know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a gamer at the end of the day, I've owned and played everything and I always will. Um, but it is to your point, I've, I have found the same, even outside of that. Um, it definitely feels like even the group that follows season gaming is more Xbox centric. And I, I don't know why that is honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, outside of the articles I talked about and the content I've talked about, but um, we do plenty of content for PlayStation and, you know, industry news and other stuff as well. So yeah, it's kind of curious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is I don't know. Maybe, is, you know, despite maybe, you know, PlayStation is obviously the bigger brand, but um, I know for instance, in terms of North America, like if you're in the US, Xbox is as big or bigger than PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that probably has something to do with it. And, you know, I know it's still big in the UK and Canada and kind of the core countries where PlayStation, you know, maybe the communities we're talking to are in other places that, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. where PlayStation is bigger. I, I'm not sure. But um, but one of the things, you know, you, we kind of touched on it is uh, I I'm going to kind of put off on a rant a little bit here, but is uh, one of the things I notice, and I, I don't know if you notice it or if it annoys you, or you don't really pay attention to it at all. It's just kind of the clicks for lack of a better word around that develop around that stuff. You know, like there's uh there's, you've got the, the Xbox group, you know what I mean? And the social media mm-hmm. space and channel space. And then you've got those people who just feel like they want to be part of that group um and they'll you know do whatever it takes to become part of that group and to me it's just a it's a charade it's exhausting and um i don't know it's almost uh i I don't know how people don't see that as demeaning to themselves uh from some of the behavior i see it's kind of strange to me i don't know if you have any thoughts on that you know so i'm a relative newcomer to social media my twitter account if you check it is like I don't know, six months old, something like that. Okay. So these are the things that I'm learning as I as I go. Um that's um so with Game On Daily, originally part of the kind of pitch that I was mentioning that we were talking about with Gaz before. Um when he was saying like, oh, let's make something like M4G. Part of the pitch was like actually let's um make it every bit as much a social media site for for people because um like the idea being people use Facebook, they use Twitter, but the audience is so broad. And sometimes you just want to talk to people that are into gaming. So part of the pitch then was to make a kind of social side to it. Over time, I've started using Twitter and things, and actually we're leaning more heavily onto to that side of it now. Um, in fact, we've got an update coming hopefully next week, but don't hold me to it. Um, that brings your Twitter communities across to our website. Cool. Which is um, 
which is hopefully going to kickstart the the sharing and the sub communities that I was talking about earlier. Um, yeah, and that's coming very soon. Um, so well, talk about that more in a minute. But um, I've derailed myself. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, the big kind of community that I see more of is undoubtedly the X, the Xbox community, um, headed up by the likes of Colt Eastwood and Dealer. Mm-hmm. Um, and those two in particular, really good guys. Okay, I've got a lot of time for them because they've got a lot of time for other people. Um, so they're obviously very, very slanted towards Xbox, and I quite <laughs> often see their content and think, mm, reaching a bit there. Yeah, big, big great guys, and they're like, like Dealer spent um, an hour the other day talking to guys to try and help them with his microphone settings. Okay, if people have got time for other people and they're positive like that, great, love yeah. that. Yeah. But there are definitely other people, and I won't go into names for people that I'm not so impressed with. That yeah, just just try and latch on and start start noise to it's chasing clout. They call it on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. I'm used to Twitter, but yeah, clout chasing is just not for me. Exhausting. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, let's get back to positivity. So, um, tech analysis. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that because um, you know it's something that has become another one of those kind of larger aspects of what people look for now in, in kind of gaming media, gaming industry um, goes mm-hmm. without saying that digital foundries made a name for themselves, you know, as part of Eurogamer for, for that. And I would say they're probably far and away the leader in that space right now. But I know that, um, you know, you've put a lot of work into uh, kind of getting that going for game on as well. And, you know, the video you did on gears five uh, was excellent and I recommended it to everyone. Um, is Thanks. that something that, you know, is a big focus for you going forward and, and kind of what makes you drive into that space? <laughs> Good questions. Um, so, yeah, first of all, shout out to Digital Foundry. They're fantastic. NX Gamer is another good one. Smaller channel, but doing great stuff in that space. And you've got BG Tech and people like that. That's a very small list of people covering that kind of content. Yeah. So one of the things that we do as Game On Daily is obviously we're trying to uplift other content creators not stomp into the same spaces so much. So we're not going to review games and things because we don't want to, to come across as like, this is our opinion. You can read these other ones if you want. No, we want to support the people that are, that are kind of creating that content. Tech analysis, there's loads of space to explore that. It's personal interest of mine. Um, and you'll see from the, the content that I've done so far, it's, it's very little like pitting the consoles against each other. It's looking at things that I find cool. So Gears Hive Busters, there's no comparisons in there really, apart from between the Xbox versions. It's just looking at the technology. There's one yeah. on Spider-Man as well. It's just yeah. looking at what it does well, because that stuff fascinates me and makes it quite easy to do to do video content when you actually like it yourself. Um, definitely has a plan to do lots more of it going forward. They're quite time consuming. They're quite edit heavy. Um, and the biggest hurdle we've got at the moment is because we just don't have great connections in the industry yet, partly because we can't see anybody since pretty much our inception because COVID's just shut down every event going. And um, we don't have great connections. So for me to start doing tech analysis videos on like new games, it's going to cost a couple of hundred quid a pop and they don't have the viewership to cover anything near that. Sure. So it's actually literally just difficult logistically to get the content to cover. But I enjoy those videos and do plan to do lots more of them, yeah. <laughs> so as, as the uh you know as the audience is there or allows i guess is what you're saying yeah it's not even um i mean there is an audience for it so i did for a long time i was doing a weekly news roundup yeah, um, yeah, yeah. that went on for, for half a year but 
me not understanding YouTube at all. I don't I don't know why that doesn't get any traction. I thought they were reasonably good. Um, <laughs> I'm not I'm not I don't see myself as a YouTuber or a content creator. Like I said at the start, that was never a thing that I anticipated doing. Yeah, but they were fairly timely and consistent and improving over time. But the numbers weren't weren't reflecting that at all. Um, yeah, and that is difficult because I want to be able to do that series, but numbers wise just isn't worth the time so hopefully when the channel grows i'll be able to get back into that the tech analysis videos do get reasonable numbers by comparison so okay. if i'm looking at how i allocate my time in terms of content creation tech analysis is worth the time i spend too long on them because i'm fussy but if i didn't spend so long on them they'd be worth the time um yeah at least in terms of getting an audience I just enjoy it. So I want to do them. That's what I was going to ask you next, because that's kind of what you were alluding to. Right. And and that's, Mm. I think that's a struggle for anyone who runs or creates content in this form of any type is, and it harkens back to what we were already talking about is there, there's things you truly enjoy um, that you'll do, even if they don't necessarily resonate to the same level as other things. But Mm. in the, I don't know about you, but in the back of your mind, it's always kind of sitting there like if I spend four hours creating this video, I could have spent two hours creating this instead and gotten 10 times the hits. And yeah. I, I, I that that is always a struggle for me. I'm sure it's a struggle for other people as well. Certain that it is, especially like um, in our case, YouTube is much as it's becoming more prominent, it's still not our primary focus. So it is something that in theory we can we can say actually i want to i want to do things that i enjoy for that because our primary focus is obviously this website and all yeah. the things that we want to do over there so um yeah i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh it's uh it's just you, a struggle i guess is what, what, our me, conclusion what, what do you want to see what do you want to see from technology so i've got all this fancy equipment i can record these these things i can analyze them i can do things what would you like to see it's a good question. Um, never really thought about it. I got to be honest with you. Um, when it comes to Digital Foundry, I, I, I might have kind of hit my breaking point um, in the way they do it. Not anything against what they do, because they do excellent work. Um, but there comes a point to me where when you start getting down to a couple hundred pixels um, and outside of that, games are identical. I just can't be bothered. Why am I watching a 20 minute video for you to tell me that there's a 200 pixel difference on a, on a 75 inch OLED TV? I mean, come on. It's yeah. There's, there's there's a couple of things about that. Um, one of them is that pixel counting is awful, boring. It's it's just, I don't know. Digital Foundry actually have a video out on how to do it. And that is how you do it. There's nothing changed. There's no software that will do it for you. You have to get a screenshot and find a straight edge and count the stair steps in a little space. It's not fun. Oh, I didn't realize like, it was like that. Wow. Yeah. It, it, yeah. That's why typically if you watch their videos, they'll say like the lowest resolution that we found, that's because they have to output a particular frame and count the resolution in that frame. Uh-huh. So you can kind of identify when the scene's going to be busy. Then you have to hope that there's a straight line within that busy scene. It's not all explosions. Yeah. And then you can analyze the pixel count. And it's like you say, it's not even that. It's like a factor in the overall image quality, but it's the primary reason to count resolution is so that fanboys can fight each other. Exactly. <laughs> there's so, there's so many just... more important things than resolution uh, that go into the image in front of you. Um, but I... if, you're, 
yeah you're absolutely right but if you're fighting that battle to get people to like engage with the content there's a massive audience that just want to know whose console is performing better exactly right so it's that struggle you were talking about yeah i mean we, we just mm. saw it yesterday with hitman 3. you know their latest mm -hmm. video came out it's it's native 4k on what series x and it's like 1800p which is 360 pixels you know well it's more than 360 pixels but you know what i mean um you know it's if you're playing the two side by side very few people are going to really notice the difference unless you're really looking for it um mm. and it's just th those kind of differences are just exhausting to me and to your point about you know i look back at the you know the unreal engine 5 demo for instance when they showed that running on ps5 with epic games it, it was made a big deal of um because it was 1440p is what it was running in mm -hmm. and it's like yeah but this statue right here is made up of four you know million polygons by itself you know and it's like there's so many other things that go into an image's quality than just resolution and it it goes it goes back to what we say there's an audience that just want to they'll click on a video just to hear that the ps5 version or the xbox version has you know a slightly better resolution a uh, 10 percent of the time and that'll be fuel for them and in almost all cases if someone like digital foundry were to do a video like that and they were to they don't do this but if they were to completely make up the numbers people would just run with it and have a field day that the numbers were what they were without actually seeing any difference at all yep that's just the way that it is and yeah exactly and i know you see on social media you see the digital foundry guys don't particularly like that they're feeding into this narrative yes it's what gets them there audience exactly that's right what they need to do, so it's going to continue <laughs> yeah and it's still good analysis right it's still oh, yeah, quality great work. work it's just what's f born out of it i guess mm -hmm. um is disappointing to them and john you know you see john linneman is he struggles a lot with it it seems um mm -hmm. and i've told him i actually uh ran into him uh we didn't talk but i ran into him into in a starbucks at e3 last year or in 2019 um and it's just like, you just want to tell them, like, you got to let these people go, man. Just stop responding <laughs> to them. <laughs> just, you can't win. You'll never win the argument. You know, it's something mm -hmm. I learned a long time ago the hard way. Um, but the original question you asked was, what would I like to see? And mm -hmm. I think that's where going beyond the the things I personally, I find more interesting, go beyond resolution and frame rate. While those are cool, you can highlight those briefly. Um, I, I love to see things like, you know, the difference in shadow quality or texture quality, you know, the difference in how things scale, depending on what's going on on the screen or um, what type of, you know, especially now that ray tracing is becoming the big hot thing, you know, the mm -hmm. how ray tracing is actually implemented, what it means, you know, the differences in types of ray tracing, um, you know, and, and how uh, how badly they can impact performance depending on the levels that you've implemented. And, you know, I find that kind of detail more fascinating than you just your standard. Here's your resolution. Here's your frame rate, because it's just game graphics are to the point now where, yeah, if there's a huge gap in frame rate or resolution, you know, that's notable, but there's going to be probably so many instances where the gap is so minor, like what we're seeing with Hitman, that it's mm -hmm. like, you know, there's got to be more important things to focus on. There just has to be. So my kind of ideal for technalysis, so it's interesting that you say ray tracing. I've been thinking about doing a video on that particular topic for a while because that's another thing that I just find fascinating and could just crack on with. But my ideal for it um, would be to kind of have access to 
the art team or the development team of a particular game and say like this looks great how did you achieve this and get that kind of material in there mm. that's what i'm kind of trying to build it towards because that's the kind of content um i would love to see on it um, that's and that's that something that they do sometimes so yes and, and that i find to your point that's what i find for again this is me but that's what i find most interesting is i always love hearing from actual developers and development teams what has gone into something um because mm. uh, as you well know right the the wealth of misinformation that you can find online and, and just you know social media is is vast and uh yeah i love hearing from that in fact i think i was reminiscing last week around next generation magazine which was a british magazine um mm -hmm. years and years ago which as a kid i just love because you know even back in the 16-bit era they were talking about processor speeds and you know the whatever it was at the time you know what mode 7 does in super nintendo and why you can have layers of you know different panels moving across in the background you know they just kind of got into it um and i, I kind of missed that hearing from developers i know was it digital foundry that had um the creative director of dirt 5 on i believe um uh, we did i'm uh, not the creative director we had a, an interview with david springate the technical lead Yes, um, I remember that as well. So th there you go. That's a better example because it's your site. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, that kind of stuff I, I adore. And I, I, if that's the direction you want to take it as the site grows, then absolutely that would be kick ass. So they did um, again. Digital Foundry. They had, I think it was John Linneman had um, guys from Bluepoint to talk about Demon Cells. Yes, it was an hour long video. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I watched that whole thing. I just grabbed some snacks, sat down. You know. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's my ideal for technology. If we can get it there, that's yeah. the kind of content. Well, that's good, man. I hope that um, you know, I, I would save this for the end anyway. But as your site is designed the way it is, I you know, any little part that we can do with content to help, you know, with to kind of help each other, I guess is the best way to say mm -hmm. it. Uh, get you to the words those goals uh, will be good for me because um, yeah, I think that's great, and I really love what you guys are doing there. Um. So I would say on that vein, you know, let's let's segue a little bit um, because I wanted to run a few things by you or at least pose them to you around just technology in the industry. Mm -hmm. um, so I would assume and I'm just assuming here because we haven't actually talked about this before, but I would assume you take a, at least a passing interest in the evolution of um, the technology in the industry as it relates to, say, um, you know, the online networks, um, integrations between platforms, cloud gaming um you know all those things is that fair to say it's fair to say yeah <laughs> okay good I'm not out of element here um <laughs> so one of the things i really enjoy talking about and this goes back to some of my career job and some of the other things right is is kind of what's coming and i think over the past 18 to 24 months that's actually what um has also made me write about xbox more than PlayStation and Nintendo. Nintendo, we can leave off the table right now for this conversation. Mm -hmm. But around PlayStation and Xbox, um, it's because Xbox has been so, two things, they're investing so much into what Xbox as a brand is, right? And how people mm -hmm. interact with that brand. Um, but also they're very forthright about it. You know, they're not doing this stuff in secret. Um, they come out, they talk about it, they report on it. Um, and that's globally as well, right? I mean, you look at like the SK Telecom deal they did in South Korea, um, you know, to, to kind of partner Game Pass and uh, xCloud with mm -hmm. mobile phone providers. Um, of course, they made that deal in Korea. 
Say it again. <laughs> of course I know of all their dealings in Korea. I'm on top of everything. <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> but I mean, I just find it really interesting. And I was presuming you do too, because, you know, what are your thoughts on what we grew up with as the gaming console is has not only changed drastically, but is going to rapidly change even greater, I would say, in the next five to 10 years. And, you know, what what are your thoughts on that space around the move to kind of gaming anywhere, uh, cloud gaming, not needing local hardware, those types of things? It's interesting, isn't it? It's um, the most difficult things to predict there are, are timescales rather than direction. So we can yes, all see that's the direction true. that it's going. And um, I personally, I'm probably always going to have some ridiculously nice hardware by a nice TV or a nice monitor. Me too. Giving me the absolute best fidelity in the same way that I would watch an ultra high definition Blu-ray disc of a film that I like. Me okay. too. But the vast, vast majority of the population quite enjoy watching films on Netflix yes. and things like that. Convenience trumps it for most people. So yes. no matter how much people like me kick and scream about it, cloud gaming is going to be massive. Yes. It's going to be massive. And um, I don't know, a lot of people seem to underestimate just how fixated Microsoft are on this particular target. Because um, whenever you talk market share or anything like that, they're always talking about growing rather than competing for growing the market because there's so much potential. Yes. So much potential when you can just, um, same for Google Stadia, when you when you get an Android phone and it says on the Google store that you can buy Cyberpunk or a game that actually works or whatever and just play yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Easy now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I saw your um, perfect score for the technical... <laughs> Right, with that game was a bit. <laughs> well, you know, we won't get into that right now. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, that, no, it's it's going to be massive, and all of these people like it's really hard to predict what Google are going to do because Google have a, a habit of killing things, but they yeah. have so much potential with Stadia as well. So for all you can you can look at what they're doing with Stadia and complain about their pricing model and the accessibility of it, but Google have such powerful on-ramps to Stadia if they want to use them. Yes. That they're going to be massive in there because Android phones could just have it included out of the box. YouTube can just have a play now button on all your videos. They've got such powerful options to get people on that platform when it matures, if they don't kill it. Microsoft have got their own massive advantages because they've got a massive game library, which yes. counts for so much as well. So, um, Content is king. Content is king, and they don't... So Amazon have Twitch as well. So Amazon, yes. Luna, it's new, but they've got that same on-ramp. They don't have the content yet, but they've got the potential to make it so easy to get into if they can sort out their pricing model and all the rest of it. Microsoft has so much right. That's kind of their only weakness is um, unless people start using Bing, then it is, it is the Xbox ecosystem. So I don't know if they might... I'm not even going to try and guess who's going to win that battle. There's, there's room for all three. But <laughs> I was going to say, technically, they're all going to win. They are, and it's just a question of when. Yes. When that becomes a thing. And, and I, uh, I'm aware I've kind of like not mentioned PlayStation. The PlayStation obviously have their eye on that price as well. They they seem more focused on, on the near term with their console hardware, but I wouldn't dismiss what they're doing. It's strange how little they're doing with PlayStation now, but in the yeah. background, who knows? <laughs> yeah, no, and they're also uh, less open about it, right? So mm. uh, one of the guys that writes for Season Gaming, um, 
is an engineer and dives in. He does a lot of our kind of deep tech stuff. He did a good article on Series X and PS5 and why you should not ignore teraflops, but they're not the be all end all, you know, measurement of performance. And, you know, anyway, I talk to him frequently about this kind of stuff just because we're geeks like that. And, um, <clears throat> you know, he's in kind of server architecture and understanding hardware. And yeah, he, he dives into some of the PlayStation stuff and it feels like they are making moves, but this is not a race where you can kind of take your time, in my opinion. Um, and and they're already starting. I mean, I've said it many times, but when you look at the global cloud infrastructure, um, you're dealing with Microsoft, Google, and Amazon. Um, in fact, Google is third by a decent margin. It's really Amazon and Microsoft with Azure and AWS. Um, and so, you know, PlayStation's going to, as we saw last year, when Yoshida signed that agreement with Microsoft, uh, you know, I think they are starting to realize they, they've got to head that way. They're just moving about mm -hmm. it at a slower pace, to your point. They're trying to, I think they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. They're trying to move that way while capitalize on their existing, you know, success and console user base and, and brand. Mm -hmm. So it's very interesting. But it's funny you mentioned um, around Google because I, I don't, I think a lot of Google's power in this space is lost on people. Now I've taken shots at Stadia, you know, jokingly plenty of times. Um, but you're exactly right in calling out that people forget that they have the capability um, to introduce Stadia to every single Android phone that's sold um, to automatically connect it to your Google account and thus YouTube. Um, which also is a content creation and streaming site now as well. Remember, it's not just, you know, I mean, they have literally everything from an architectural standpoint at their fingertips. Um, I think what I find most confusing about Stadia is they, in how long has it been since they first announced? It's got to be two years, right? 2018? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah it's got to be. I mean, why has so little seemingly been done with it? Um, See, this is this is where I maybe disagree with you in the urgency okay. of these things. So you were okay. saying that um, you can't afford to take their time. Um, From a PlayStation like, standpoint is what I was saying. Yeah, um, but cloud delivery in general does seem to be just waiting for this tipping point where connections are just there. Yeah. At the moment, fair. it's still, still, they don't want to push a, a service before it's ready. Um, and the service itself is, is coming along well. But imagine, imagine a scenario where you pop onto... YouTube and you see your favorite streamer on Fortnite. This isn't me. I don't like Fortnite, but um, you see your <laughs> favorite enough. streamer on Fortnite. They, they finish yeah. their game and they're like, all right, who wants to play? And everybody watching them goes, play. And that's it. They're playing Fortnite with their favorite streamer. Yes. Stadia can do that the when they want it to. Um, but I, I, think as... that, I think that's kind of my point. And I think um, you're right. I, I, I think saying that the market's not fully ready. It's not there yet, right? Yeah. But I yeah. But I think, to your point, that's what I was alluding to, is that capability for Google to do what you just said exists today. Um, mm -hmm. And while the market may be small, they could be the first to the market offering such things. Um, but we just haven't seen that from them, which I just find strange. That's, that's, the, that's where the only kind of element of doubt comes in. And it's... We can talk about VR in a minute if, if I want. I do want. Um, Please do. I, I, that's actually an area where I'm I'm not well versed. So I'll let you speak to it. But we'll we'll get into it. 
Yeah, we'll come back to that in a minute. That's quite separate <laughs> from cloud. Um, oh, no, oh, no, the point is gone. It's <laughs> straight out of my head. happens um, to us. Uh, Google Stadia, the ability to do the live interaction today, Fortnite. Yeah, and generally, I mean, most people's fear was with Stadia in general is that you have to pay for most of the good games on it. So they do have their premium service and you get a few games free. Yes. But paying for games, people are very... No, not people are very... Some people are very cautious of spending money on things that they don't feel like they own. Yes. You've seen this conversation many times before around digital downloads, which is essentially the same thing. They could be taken away at any time. Yes, they can. It's a valid point, but it's very much at the forefront with Stadia because you don't even have it... Like You don't even wait to install it to feel like you've got some data because that's not how it works. So people are resistant to pay money for a game in that Very good point. Very good point. Um, People will come around to it. What does Netflix run on? It's complete tan. Well, it's not a complete tangent. It's related. What server? What server infrastructure does Netflix run on? Oof. If I had to guess, I'd say AWS, but I don't know off the top of that my head. That would be my guess as well. But it's like an interesting one that you don't even think about it. And that's the position that PlayStation are in. Okay, they probably got their deal with Microsoft. We don't know what it encompasses, but they don't need their own infrastructure. Just like Netflix probably don't have their own infrastructure. I don't know for sure, but I don't think they do. Um, uh, we nailed it. AWS. It is AWS. Yeah. See, I mean, AWS, as you well know, right? I mean, they're they're number one. Um, but Azure, but Azure's gaining gaining steam. Also huge, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're, yeah, they're huge and gaming and gaining. I think their annual growth year over year is higher than AWS. But then again, AWS is such a big leader that you know. Do you know, AWS is. I don't want to pretend that cloud infrastructure is massively exciting to me, but AWS seems so seamless in the gaming space when you look at the things yes. that they have achieved. Yes. Right. How does Fortnite have problems? The biggest, or at times the biggest game going with these events that have millions of people tuning in. Yes. When does that struggle? Never. So AWS. Yeah. And it, it's set to your point, uh, excellent point. And just to add on to that, it's set up for, you know, remember that Amazon created their own game creation suite, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, they've been kind of going this direction for some time. They just haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, uh, I don't think I've, I've um, offered too much on that particular topic, except I think we're in agreement that it, it's coming. It's going to be big. Yeah, matter of time between all the platforms. It's, it's going to be a fun future in that sense, particularly for people yeah. that um, for anybody that doesn't have an ultra high definition Blu-ray player and insist on watching movies like that. Much as they're resistant to game streaming, it will be good enough for them soon. Yes, <laughs> it just will. Yeah, um, uh, it's just uh, there's a tail there, right, to get acclimation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I, I'm almost the opposite. I'm very excited for it, but I'm still mm-hmm. always, to your earlier point, I'm always going to want the the home hardware that gives me the highest possible zero latency, highest you know performance. Um, as long as they continue to offer that as a add on, I'm good. Yeah, and there will always be an audience of people like us as well. So. We'll keep telling ourselves that. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're right, though. Yeah, I think there at least there will be. Um, (laughs) But um, yeah, so you want to talk about VR? So I love VR. It's a personal passion thing. That's great. So uh, funny enough, the engineer that writes for Season Gaming has been um, playing Half Life Alex. He just got a, I think, the new Oculus. I'm going off of memory, but he got one of the new sets playing Half-Life Alex, and he's just like, Ains, 
you got to get it, man. Just get it. He's like, it's it's incredible. Have you tried? Have you tried anything? So just PSVR, which is PSVR, which is VR Lite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so no, I have not tried any of the new high-end, you know, the proper, what I would call the proper sets for PC. Not yet. I've tried so, them in a I, store, but I don't own any of them. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that it's simple. Like They are a pain in the ass in yeah. terms of technical difficulty and things like that to use the good ones to set up and all the rest of it. You will encounter problems. You will need to delve. But it is gaming on another level. It's mm. phenomenal. And I think actually um, my honest recommendation to people that haven't tried it or attempted but don't want that hassle would be to wait for the next PSVR. So the previous one, the, the PlayStation VR 1, I actually think is quite an off-putting experience as a virtual reality device. Um, most, you've obviously got the, the hassle of the wires, but you've also got this um, this need to stay facing in a single direction. Yeah. Which makes most games nauseating to me. I love VR, but I can't use PSVR. It will make <laughs> me sick. Um, PSVR 2, I think, is going to be a phenomenal device when it happens. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully, things will kick on from there and it'll become a bit more... <sighs> A bit more palatable for more people. Yeah, a bit more mainstream. Um, You're going to need to disappear from the world, and that's still going to be possibly a step too far for some people, but it's yeah. so worth it to, people, to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you know, VR is a really interesting one. I, I agree with you. I think PSVR 2, um, what I really hope for it is that um, they go... I won't say high end because it's a console. It's going to have to be mainstream, et cetera. Right. But I, I hope they err on the side of high end versus budget, you know? Um, and I'm, I'm hoping they do that. I mean, we kind of saw that with the consoles themselves. They're a little more kind of forward thinking and expensive in terms of build than when Xbox one and PlayStation four launched. So we'll oh, see. That's it. Yeah. yeah. We can talk about some that in a minute. Yeah. Um, actually I have some fairly specific expectations for the PSVR too, but go um, for it. Mm, okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm very reticent to put any kind of predictions on the no, internet. You know, we can strike it from the record. You know, no worries. Yeah, no, I think um, I'm hoping that it's announced this year. Okay, I think they've done a lot of the work for it already. Mm-hmm. I think it's a wireless device. Yes, I think the controllers and all the technology that's in the DualSense controller is taken from their research into haptics for VR. So the controllers are going to have adaptive triggers for your fingers and they're going to have the haptic feedback. I think screen-wise, it's probably not going to match the highest-end headsets that are on the market right now. Right. Because it just couldn't with the wireless technology. But it will be ballpark where the Oculus Quest is. The Oculus Quest 2, I should say, and price range probably similar as well. I I don't think you're being far-fetched with any of that. Honestly, I think you're probably mm-hmm. right on the head. The only question I would have out of everything you just said would be when they announce it. Um, mm-hmm. And the only reason I say that is because if they can deliver the game lineup that they've talked about for this year with, uh, you know, Ratchet and Clank coming first half of the year, um, they've got a few timed exclusives like um, Death Loop, right? And uh, uh, Tokyo. Um, God, man, my mind right now. You know, the Tokyo Ghost Horror Game. Okay. Yeah. Um, but then if they also deliver Horizon and God of War, which is what they've said, um, mm. when you have such a monstrous year with those IPs, um, unless PSVR 2 is really, truly ready to go, 
um, to the mass market, um, I could see them waiting till next year. But I think from a technology perspective, you're probably spot on. I mean, the patents that we have seen kind of allude to that, right? Wireless, better screen, using haptics. We saw it in the dual sense, and the haptics in the dual sense are awesome. Um, so yeah, I think that's right on point. I, I hope that's what they do because um, if you combine, you know, I think one of the other challenges for VR being that not only are you not reaching the console space, right, um, mm-hmm. but is IPs. Um, if you think about the IP ownership that PlayStation and Xbox have, which is, we'll talk about in a second, uh, the potential to cross over those IPs, right, is fantastic. Mm-hmm to allow people to be Kratos, you know, even if it's a short experience, you know, a couple hours, wh- whatever it is. Um, but to actually throw the ax, you know what I mean? And um, do things like that. Uh, the potential there is just tremendous. Um, mm-hmm. So I hope to eat twice. You know. Yeah, you guys are pressuring me enough. I, I'm going to have to <laughs> jump in. Did you? So did you play through Half-Life Alex as well? I played through a chunk of it and then decided yeah. actually I want to play this on a different headset. So I waited. And actually yesterday I set it up again. Um, so I've got a Reverb G2 now, which is a very high resolution headset. Um, okay. And my plan was to, to stream it. It took a little while to set up the, the streaming to work in a way that I was happy with. But I had a little look in it. I opened my save file, which isn't what I'm going to do. I'm going to play through from the start because I want to. But I opened okay. my save file, looked around the world a little bit. Went, Wow. This is incredible. Like, it was incredible the first time, but now, no, it's, it's too much. And I thought, I'm probably going to crap myself when these monsters start coming at me in this game now. But, but yeah, no, it's, it's amazing. So, I'm actually, I might even do some of that today. Um, Half Life Alex and Walking Dead Saints and Sinners and a few other games as well are okay. incredible experiences. So, wow. If you don't mind me asking, how much does that headset run? Mm, don't remember trying to remember a dollar price or I don't even know what it was in pounds so the the Reverb G2 launch was a bit of a mess I actually ordered it about half a year ago it only came a few weeks ago wow um, okay but it just you can just use it with any compatible games through Windows it 10 is that how it functions it's, so it's, it's funny actually um, because it's a Windows mixed reality headset that they yeah. worked with Valve on so um, which means we can touch on Microsoft's contribution to VR um, that's what I was just going to um, yes yeah so, um, yeah, it works with everything from Steam, no problem at all. Um, and there's very little kind of native Windows content besides what's on Steam. Um, yeah. like Microsoft's storefront has a few bits and pieces, but you wouldn't find much there. There's a terrible Halo experience. Terrible <laughs> Halo experience. <laughs> Microsoft's contribution in terms of content. So their ecosystem is good. Their headset technology is good. Okay, it works really well. The setup, the inside-out tracking, it's all fine, console-ready. Besides not being wireless, um, it's a good headset. But in terms of content and trying to, like, if they've got any interest in seeing this technology succeed, why can't I play Forza? Yeah. Right? It's just such an obvious fit. Forza Horizon, Forza 7 have both come out since Windows Mixed Reality was a thing. Yeah. And they just don't. And it's so frustrating. Like, <laughs> I would have been so long playing those games. It would be amazing. They actually have added VR support for Flight Simulator. Yeah, um, I, I heard about that. Which I haven't tried yet. But I'm sure that's got to be pretty stunning, assuming it's done well, right? Yeah, yeah um, assuming you enjoy flying airplanes, which, to be honest, I probably won't. Um, I'll look around the airplane, I'll see if I can explore the back of the plane, just like, have a walk. But 
I'm, I'm not a pilot. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that you kind of touched on what I was going to bring up, and as that is, you know, Microsoft has been, uh, in particular, even Phil Spencer about Xbox has been asked directly about VR multiple times, um, and he made it pretty clear even a couple years ago that they're not going to go the PSVR route where they create an Xbox headset, right? They're mm -hmm. more looking at Series X runs on a version of Windows, right? Windows 10, and it's compatible. They have the IPs, as you just alluded to, and they have the headset technology. So why, again, maybe it's just a time thing, maybe plans got delayed, but you have to imagine that they're going to allow VR headset compatibility with Series X in the future, don't you think? I sure hope so. I mean, what Phil said quite a while back was that they were waiting until that technology is wireless. Yes. Yeah. And so my concern for the Series X compatibility is that this is this is where people um, talk about the, the Wi-Fi capability of the two consoles. The PlayStation 5 has Wi-Fi 6, which yes. is very good for a direct tunneled connection to, to a headset. That's probably why it's in there. This is why I think that PSVR oh, 2 is okay. going to be one of those. So a precursor to VR 2 is what you're saying? Yeah. I think so, and the Xbox yeah. doesn't have that. So That's if they true. want a wireless headset, I mean, at the moment, for my Xbox Series X, it's about three foot away from me, and I can barely hold a connection to an audio headset. Hmm. Wireless, this proprietary wireless technology that they insist on using is just terrible, and I don't understand. Like, the PlayStation's got bog-standard Bluetooth, and it just works. Yeah. And the Xbox has a proprietary Microsoft Xbox wireless platform. Yeah. And I just have to keep resyncing my headset. So yeah, how are they going to do VR? I know people are having problems problem. with controller syncing too, um, which mm -hmm. they've addressed. They said there's a fix coming for it, but to your point, whatever fix it is, it doesn't add Wi-Fi six capability. So no, exactly, and I don't think. I mean, that's a problem if they want a wireless VR headset. Oh, okay, good insight. Yeah, I hadn't mm -hmm. thought about that. You can say so I don't know, like your friend that's got the Oculus Quest two. I think I'm guessing you didn't say it was a Quest two, but that's the most recent one. Yes, you can use that wirelessly with a PC using third party software, um, virtual desktop, and it's really fussy. You have to have Wi-Fi five, but it's really fussy on the quality of that connection. So great for some people and not for others. Hmm. That's the situation that Microsoft have put themselves in if they are looking for a wireless headset. Hmm, that's interesting. But yeah, I mean, it just seems like. Uh... You know, it seems like, and again, it, we've talked about a few things now that seem almost obvious from a market perspective. And obviously, there's probably very valid reasons why uh, things mm -hmm. haven't happened the way we presume. Um, but it, it is curious at the very least, I would say. When you say there, though, market perspective, if you look at Microsoft's ambitions, VR is quite contrary to them. Yes. So if you look at growing to the cloud space and expanding this audience, VR is niche and it's going to stay that way for a long time. So sure. I can understand, I can understand from their perspective, like eh, that's not really the direction that they're looking. Yeah, that's fair. I just want them to. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that that was going to be the last thing I asked you. Someone who really enjoys VR, um, you know, VR is not new by any stretch. I mean, obviously, it's mm -hmm. vastly improved today compared to what it was even just a few years ago. But you know, we've been hearing for years now that VR is is the next thing. You know, um, God, several years, right? VR is coming. This is the year of VR. This is, it just needs a, a um, blockbuster IP, right? A blockbuster title to bring people to, to VR. And, you know, I think we maybe minorly saw that with Half-Life Alex, but certainly not to the degree that I think people have been preaching for years now. And I, I don't know what it is that gets the market there. 
Is it ease of setup, you think? Ease of use, cost of entry, all of those things? Yeah, it's it's a difficult one, and I don't know that it's going to succeed um, for a long, long time. I don't know. Um, when you talk about ease of use, so for me, and for a lot of people that are talking about things like Xbox Quick Regime, right? It yep. makes a massive difference to be able to just flip between games and love things. It. Yeah, love it. Getting up and changing a disc. If I have games on a disc now, I'm unlikely to play one of them. One of them will stay in there. <laughs> Don't say that, man. I'm the disc defender. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. But like, yeah, it, it's a step. It's such a minor thing, but it's enough to make you think, no, I'm going to keep playing this. I'm you not going to spoil. Yeah, you do get spoiled. Yeah. And VR is that level of hassle it's like it's it's obviously more than just changing a disc you have to put a headset on your head yeah you have to find space in your room yeah you have to have a headset on your head i don't know that that's a challenge that they're going to be able to overcome for people no matter how good it is and it's already incredible yeah okay so like it's it's the market also needs to be drying rather than growing in terms of content People seem to be moving like developers. Like um, not too long ago, you had Bethesda did Fallout 4 and Skyrim and Doom. They put them all into VR. Yeah. Not been anything as big as that, apart from Half-Life and things. There's, there's not been any big studios really trying. Some signs that EA are trying, Star Wars Squadron. So there, yeah. there's like some glimmers of hope. But generally, <laughs> it feels like content is going down rather than up. That's a concern for the technology from my perspective. Um you're getting less hardware than you did. Um, Facebook are kind of standing behind it still more so than most. Um, yeah. Th- I, I don't know. I get I get a kind of sense that it needs Sony to come in and support it properly um, mm-hmm. for it to keep pushing forwards because other people are still very tentative with it. Plus side is if they stop now and say, that's it, we're not doing VR games anymore. It's not worth it. It doesn't make money. Plus, I just said the games that are there will probably last me a lifetime. So I can just drive around a track, maybe learn to fly an airplane, run around Skyrim, play Half-Life. The content, I I wouldn't give up on it. If if VR was dead, I would keep that. I'd be happy. I'd play it forever. But I want it to do well, and I want Mm. new experiences to do well. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's fair. It's it's so hard to see because I'm not unrealistic in that I know there are challenges for it. Yeah. And I understand and I can see why it's not successful, and I can't go and tell people, like, you're doing it wrong. This time next year, you're definitely going to be playing VR, and you're going to realize how silly you were. That's not how it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, but Yeah, that's fair. And in, and in fact, to that point, the market is almost moving in the opposite direction. I mean, you, you commented on Quick Resume, but, I mean, the big focus for PlayStation and Xbox coming into this generation was speed simplicity and getting you into your games quicker right that was the whole goal mm-hmm. um and we've seen that with the drives and the focus on load times and the quick resume i think is probably the biggest thing um you know all of those things it's just about being instantly instant access and mm-hmm. you know that makes it even harder for uh that extra layer of complexity to to be accepted to your point yeah but will it be enough so if- PSVR 2 comes out and is wireless and all you need to do to get in the game is go shunk, yeah. choose game. Maybe. Yeah, that's Sony's <laughs> task, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. That's their challenge. Could be what they're, they're thinking through, really, is because they, we've talked about kind of walking lines. It feels like they're walking one where they're trying to get into that, uh, grow that market while at the same time it meet with their other ideals, to your point. 
Uh, mm-hmm. It's a weird place to be in. So I, I do find it funny now that we're on this topic about augmented reality too. Um, you know, we started to see, you know, the original, the very first HoloLens demonstration, you mm-hmm. know, was incredibly impressive. Um, and then it became, you know, it's kind of gone the way of more of a commercial kind of industry product than a gaming product. Um, and I always found that industry, it feels like there's potential there, but I don't know if anyone knows how to tap it. Yeah. Or if that technology is ready. So I've never, I've never tried a HoloLens device or um, any of the equivalent ones. There's a couple around. Um, I know there was a lot of feedback that it was quite a narrow space that you could actually project the holograms into. And I don't know if anybody has ever attempted to kind of translate hologram specification into like screen resolutions that we're used to. I don't know how good they are. I've never given an estimate of like what kind of quality you'd actually be looking at there. But it's one of those things where one day you'd hope the two converge. So VR and AR come together and one headset just does, it does AR and it can present a whole world to you. But long way out. Technology needs to survive for that to happen. So yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you know, I think we've all been uh, groomed to expect this kind of virtual world that we'll all be living in in the future at some point, right? Where it's completely mm-hmm. seamless and everyone just you put it on and it's like you're next to your friend who's five thousand miles away. You know what I mean? And you know, yeah. I have I have to imagine we get there eventually, but I. It just feels like as time goes on and the challenges present themselves, that's got a longer tail to fruition yeah. than we would have you thought. Know, there's, there's different kinds of challenges because there's something you can see. So for a long time, people were saying like the resolution's too low, um, yeah. and you can you can see the path there. You can see yes. how that will be fit. Like yeah, that's that's going to happen over time. And the other challenge is like how do you walk in virtual reality, and you can't see the answer nearly so clearly. Like I don't know what the breakthrough is there because at the moment. You use an analog stick, yeah, and then you throw up. That is not ideal. Um, <laughs> and the solutions that people have tried to make, like like frictionless treadmills and things like that, are really difficult and impractical. Yeah. And I don't know the answer there. Hmm. I don't know what breakthrough we'll get to get to that like Ready Player One kind of scenario. But... Yeah, yeah, I think that's what people imagine, right? As you're just going mm-hmm. into another world. Um, and it's seamless, but it feels like that's such a long way off to even coming close to something like that or something, you know what I mean? Um, more, more substantial. Um, but anyway, um, so man, what's, uh, what's next then for, uh, you know, what, what is coming up in the short term for, for you and game on and what you guys have planned? I mean, I know we talked about your long-term ambitions, how the site functions, but, What's literally coming kind of around the corner that you want to speak about? Right around the corner, I did touch on earlier, is this um, kind of deeper integration with Twitter for Game On Daily. Yeah. So the idea there, um, it's it's a small thing, but hopefully a significant thing. If you sign into Game On Daily with your Twitter account, it will look at the people that you're following on Twitter, and it will cross-reference Game On Daily. And if those people are also on there, you'll be following them on Game One Daily. So your interactions on there will be a lot more kind of seamless. Um, you'll be able to to use the various features that we've got to interact with each other without really thinking about it. Okay. It'll just be the natural way to use the site. So this is hopefully, let's say hopefully next week, but as we've found over the last while, it probably won't be next week. It'll probably be delayed. Um, okay. That happens. 
Yeah, sure does. Um, <laughs> so this is, like I say, it's minor. So somebody just glancing the site probably wouldn't see that there's a difference. But it's also massive for us in that people have forged really good communities and networks on Twitter already. Yeah. And that just makes our site better to use for people that have got that there. So, like, let's say if you were using Game One Daily and you submit some of your content or one of your writers' articles and things like that at the moment, your articles are, are usually good and we usually put them on the front page for people. But the idea <laughs> is that we shouldn't have to do that. Um, sure. Ideally, like, you've got an audience of people that are interested in your content. And those people, whether we've touched it or not, when they log on to Game One Daily, they'll go, oh, Ains has submitted content or Ains has been commenting over there or Ains has like shared this one for me to look at. This is what my version of the website looks like. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And that a lot of the functionality is already there, but the communities aren't to make it work. So hopefully that Twitter integration to bring it across, well, we'll kickstart that. And that's the very near future. Okay. Hmm. Then we've got loads, loads more planned that's, that's bigger and more noticeable. But <laughs> Any, anything you want to talk about today or not yet? Well, hmm, probably shouldn't because it'll probably take too long to come about. It's big fair. things, though. Like big things. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, so very cool, man. Um, so really what you're talking about is almost like a tailored gaming site, right? It's tailored to your your community, your what, you're yeah. en- what you enjoy, etc., so much of the, the the functionality is already is already there and operational right now. Um, it's just a case of of like hitting that critical mass, getting enough people on there that those functions actually work. Yeah, functionally they work, but they need a certain number of people using them to really work. Sure, and that's what we're we're driving for at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I can only imagine the <laughs> you know I have a sense but no one really knows unless you've done it um, of the amount of work that's gone into what you guys are building so mm-hmm. I can imagine and uh, just applaud you guys for it because I know I know some of the challenges uh, that can relate to those types of things I'm sure it's been challenging at times <laughs> yeah it has it has but also really happy with it like it's come together so well cool sure more people interacting so awesome. um, you know, like we said earlier, like a massive part of, of what we're doing with it. Um, the site exists to uplift other people and help people find audiences. And this is the kind of stuff that we need to grow to be more effective in doing. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's why I'm on board with it, man. Like I said, because, you know, our site is is almost a prime example of trying to be positive. Um, but we've, you know, we fought for clicks for years now. Um, mm-hmm. And we've done well. We've seen really good growth. Uh, honestly, bigger growth than I would have anticipated, um, which has been fantastic. But, um, you know, I think uh, anything that is out there to kind of help the vision of what you guys have and what it can do for the community at large, which I think is needed, um, is, a, is a very good thing. So it, it excites me. And I, that's why I love talking to you guys about it. So it's cool. Thank well, you. great, man. So it's been uh, it's been an honor, dude. It's been uh, always fun talking with you. I love um, I love having conversations with people like yourself that like to dive into the details of uh, certain aspects of tech and the industry and uh, anything else. And that's what this series is uh, is all about. So I want to thank you for coming on, man. It's been uh, it's been fun. Tonight, I really appreciate the invitation. So it's not often that um, that we actually talk about ourselves and what we're doing. So. Opportunity is great. It's 
It's yeah, fun. That's what it's all about. So we got you out of your shell for a little bit, right? Got to dive right back in there. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, man. Fair enough. Well, <clears throat> as always, anything you want to uh, call out before I close? Um, I don't know what I'm looking around for. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Um, so th- <laughs> thanks as always uh, for tuning in. If you tuned into the premiere and chatted with others, uh, greatly appreciate that. Uh, this, um, you know, like I said in the last show, this will be an ongoing series, probably going to publish every two weeks or so um, with just community creators and site uh, leadership from around the industry. So stay tuned for our next show. Uh, and you can find this on our podcast services as well. So thanks as always. This is Ains for ASA Game on Daily and Season Gaming. We'll talk to you next time. Later. Thanks, everyone.